Hey y'all, it's me at Authentic Fee, and this is a podcast slash vlog on life lesson number 45 from 140 Life Lessons, I Wish I Knew at 20, aka FSB 140, on carving out your own life path and projecting your own narrative. I can't think of any other perfect person y'all to have this discussion with than my guest today, Muna Shahab. She embodies this life lesson like no other being and in a way that inspires everybody, including myself, to do it too. I'm so happy and grateful that she's here. Okay, y'all, let's do it. Everybody is fixing to understand why I've never done an interview in Arabic, even though this interview is going to be English, but we're going to we'll subtitle or translate the, the random Arabic bits and bobs here and there. So, Muna Shahab, welcome! Fatima, I'm going to call you <laughs> Thank you so much for having me. And everyone who's listening, everyone who's watching, this woman showers everyone with more than they deserve. So don't believe anything she says. You are a ridiculous girl. It's reciprocity. I love you so much. Okay. So thank you for, for being here. And I know we got a time difference, so I know it's tough. Mara uh, shukran. Uh, okay, there's so much to unpack. Your mountain climbing, your philanthropic work, your PhD, you've done all these incredible things. Uh, but before we get into the how and the why and the what you faced in terms of any potential kind of uh, pushback or raised eyebrows, tell us a little bit about your background, just for context. Sure. So um, it's always hard to, to talk about yourself. So real quick, in short, um, I am a child clinical psychologist by profession, an adventurer by birth, um, born between the sand dunes, uh, <laughs> I'm that half and half kid on the block. Um, um, it's funny, you know, like it, it, I, you know, like we're, we're, we're born in a certain place yet we sometimes like, I, I always try to think like, outside the borders and outside the boundaries because why do dotted lines on a piece of paper kind of like define where we are so you. just under the world if you yes. will yes um i love the outdoors i love nature um i think i took my adventurous gene from my mom and my uh i my love son. that about you you are one of the most adventurous people that i've ever met mashallah oh thieves i mean they used to punish me by telling me i can't go play outside because it's too hot or it's too late so yeah, I love the outdoors. So yeah, the adventurous gene from mom, and I would say the soft gene or humanitarian gene, if you will, from dad. Um, I owe that one to him for sure. Um, and yeah, that's about it. Well, that's, a, that's an incredible balance and it's such an incredible uh, yin and yang mix. Uh, and it explains, it explains your energy and all the things that you're doing. Okay. Uh, you know, I got to jump right into your, your mountain climbing. Over. Girl, and you, you've climbed Kilimanjaro. You've climbed Everest. I mean, your nickname is Nugget. No way! Like, who does that? Who wakes up and says, I want to go climb a mountain? And, I, and why? What, what, what made you, and before you answer, you know I got to bust out. And sing, because you know we're climbing Kilimanjaro in 2022 or 2023, and I'm going to go sing Toto. Going to take a lot to drag me away from you. We're climbing Kilimanjaro. I swear yeah. to goodness, we're doing it in 2022, 2023, inshallah. Okay. Inshallah. Why? Okay. Why not? 
you know, it's there, but that's not my answer. That's not my answer. I actually exchanged vows with the mountain by accident. It all started when I was, you know, when I was hiking um, uh, in Africa on Kilimanjaro and I just fell in love with, you know, the whole journey, be it the people you cross paths with, yeah. um, the terrain, the feeling. Fiefs, a lot of people ask me, Mona, what was it like, you know, after every single expedition or, or hike or climb? Yeah. I'm like, there's no word that will do it justice. It's just that it's feeling like of accomplishment a- or is it the trek itself? It's, it's everything. It's everything that you said. Yeah. It's the trek. It's, it's, it's the feeling of, it's the people you cross paths with. It's the trek. It's, I don't know, you're, it's, it might sound funny, but it showers you with humility. You feel this little, you know, and when we're at sea level, we worry about the temperature. Oh, it's too hot. Oh, it's too cold. Oh, I don't like this blouse. Oh, this is too small. This is too tight. And up there, it's like, you know, like you're, you're very thankful and grateful for the simplest things. A toilet seat. Yes. Like I was in Everest for 55 days, Fiefs. I swear to God, when I walked into that hotel after those 55 days, I literally filmed, sorry, ladies and gents, the bathroom. Because I'm like, <laughs> a toilet seat, like- a shower. Okay, we're gonna have to work that situation out when we do Kilimanjaro. Cause girl, I need, I need like, you know, I need a facility. So anywhere, but- We'll, we'll get there, but I promise you there is a toilet seat. I promise. <laughs> <laughs> On Kili. <laughs> no, but, yeah, I mean, I, so for you, it's just, it's just, it sounds like it's a really grounding experience, but there's so much that goes into it. Preparation, training, what you eat. It's mental. The mental challenge. And honestly, Fiefs, like, I've always been the competitive type, and I've learned over the years that, I'm only competing with myself. Oh my God, girl, preach. Let me get my, I gotta get my Pellegrino. I gotta do Cheers. it. Cheers. Oh my God. Yes. How far can I go? You know, because especially, especially with mountains, you know, and mountaineering, it's more of a mental than a physical challenge. Oh, hundred percent. So, so how far can my, my, my legs take me, but how far will my mind take me? How far can I push? And yeah, some people say, yeah, but you're living on the edge and the what ifs, but the what ifs are all around us. They're everywhere, you know? Um, so, 100%. I got to, I, I got to ask you about <clears throat> Everest, if you don't mind, because I know that was a really, t- the, the, your latest, I think it was base camp that you climbed. Um, it was the, it was the yeah, summit. summit. It was a summit. Was summit. Yeah. That's yeah. a huge difference. Huge difference. Yeah. So you actually no, right. climbed the summit. Uh, and, and that was tough. And I remember, cause I follow you on social media, um, and you couldn't repost, but you <laughs> like, like, I love you nugget. And, and you, po- you had people posting on your behalf because obviously, you know, you can't post when you're climbing Everest, the summit of Everest. And it was that last stretch was really, was, was tough. It was tough. Yeah, it was tough. Like honestly, Fiefs, I mean, I, and I actually like, this is going to, people are like, Muna, like, why like you just asked me like you wake up in the morning and you decide to climb Everest honestly I kind of like I climbed Everest by accident um I don't believe that not for a second Everest was never in my mind Fiefs because I always thought Everest was a commercial mountain and anyone who has the money or the sponsor sponsored can climb it 
And for me, I was like, I'd rather climb, you know, a mountain that's less crowded, um, you know, cleaner, and, you know, a lot of other things. And then I get a phone call from, you know, Elias Kelly, who has become a very close friend. He's a producer, a storyteller. Um, and, you know, he had this idea of um, a number of, you know, females climbing Everest and to document their journeys. And I said, thank you, but no, thank you. And he's like, Mona, you climb for causes. You can actually highlight the cause. And it has, you know, so it might have so much more impact, a lot more impact. And I was like, so you know when what? you climb, you don't climb just for the sheer sake of competing with yourself. You're actually climbing for a humanitarian cause. I am climbing usually for, for a cause. And, and you're raising money. Most in most cases, I'm raising money. Some some of the mountains have been just for awareness. Awareness, yeah, because that's the first step in anything. Absolutely, hundred exactly. percent. Okay, yeah. So uh, on Everest, like you're you're preparing like physically and mentally, and you kind of like know what's coming uh, ahead. You know that you might see things that you don't want to see, like you know, like you know, you hear stories about seeing lifeless bodies of of climbers passed away yes. like years ago. But what I did not expect was to see climbers that were with us that season. You know, I literally had to, you know, either walk around or step over, not on over climbers that, you know, we saw at base camp or at camp two, um, who were, were just with us like three, four days ago. Oh my God. Yeah, no, I, I would, I, that, that would be tough. That would be so, really yeah, tough. It's brutal, you know, and, and you, you have all these questions that come to mind, like even with the Sherpa, that are climbing with you. Sherpa! They are, they're Sherpas. They're putting their lives at risk for a stranger to kind of like make, you know, like, like achieve her dream. Yeah. Get something off your bucket list. Not to minimize, not to minimize the, but I hear you loud and clear. So it's, I mean, like, it's, say that again. There's an, there's an, there's an ethical to it, to it as well. So if you ask me now, would you do it again? I'm like, I will always climb mountains. I love mountaineering. Not that I'm a mountaineer. I just love mountains. You told me you're a mountaineer. Are you kidding? You gave me a bracelet that's made out of mountains. You're not a mountaineer. Come on. That's a big title. That's a big title. Okay. The world would be a far better place. With less titles than egos feet. Oh, girl, you I hear you loud and clear. I'm so over it. I'm so over it. Yes, 100%. But you agree. So I don't know if I would climb Everest again. Well, you know, like, I got to ask, when you, when you came back, what, or actually, uh, there's two sides to this question. Yeah. When you, when you set out, when you, when you, and you know, God bless the storyteller, uh, who, who basically kind of planted the seed in your mind to go out and do it. And then for you to go out and do it, what was, I want to know, what was your, what was the reaction that you got from your immediate circle? Cause I mean, that's a huge, that's a, that's a huge feat. Um, yeah. and when you came back, what was, what was the reaction and how did you respond in both cases okay i'll start with everest since we're talking about everest but then i'm going to divert to the very first mountain that i climbed because i'll get to it in a minute everest i remember when i um when i walked into the room my father was sitting in and i told i i mentioned that i wanted to, talk, to speak to him i was like dad do you know that i love mountains and i want your blessing to climb Everest. Oh my God. And this man is, mashallah, he's like a physician. So he's going to get it. So it's not, it's not like, 
Yeah. Altitude. So you're putting your well, you're putting your physical health at risk, not just your mental. And mind you, it took my father four months um, to allow to say yes to Kilimanjaro, and that was only Kilimanjaro. Oh so see, all my father did was he looked at me and he was like, "Promise me you'll come back." Well, at this point, he, he you know he got it because Everest came uh, after, right? Because Everest, you, so that was your. Not, not your so first climb. Kilimanjaro was 2012. Everest was 2019. Okay, so, so I, we I had, had time. Yeah. I had climbed mountains in between. But yes. when, when, when I asked him about Everest. The summit. You know, literally. You've done the base camp. This is the summit. Yeah. I did base camp 2012 and then the yes. summit 2019. Yes. So now so, you're talking to him about the summit. Summit. And he was like, he, he just looked at me very calmly. And he's like, promise me you'll come back. And wow. in my head, I'm like... I know that there's a possibility that that may not happen. That's not right? Yeah. He knows, he knows your spirit. Exactly. He knows your spirit. So with Everest, honestly, um, believe it or not, the, the, there, there was not, I mean, some people were like, oh, why are you doing this? It doesn't make any sense. And you're climbing for a cause. How is climbing related to a cause? And it's just for like, you know, marketing yourself and whatnot. But the real kind of like pushback came uh, when we attempted Kilimanjaro. That was in 2012. And I'm not saying that by no means was I um, the first Saudi to go on a hike or a climb. But yeah. back then, there were only like a microscopic number of people, females, yeah, that course. were slash climbing. Yes. So, and, and we were climbing for a cause. And basically, that organization um, uh, like wrote an article in a few newspapers. And Thiefs, the, the comments online on the online version were horrific oh wow like so this was on gender and ethnicity in terms of commentary this was was on gender ethnicity and the fact that we were a group of females and males friends unrelated climbing together yeah that was one thing and then another thing that came there was this very influential um businessman slash businessman who wrote a letter to someone um, very high up uh, where we live, basically asking him to uh, um, uh, forbid us from traveling and to take away all, all our all our passports, all eight climbers, because what we're doing um, is is disrespectful to the culture and uh, offensive to many people. Ludicrous. Uh, this, is just, this, wait, this was two thousand twelve. This was 2012 and literally yeah. this was like a week before our climb yeah. and the comments, the comments on the newspaper, like they were horrible. They were honestly, I'm like, should we really be doing this? Is it really worth it? I don't yeah. care, but I didn't want my, my pair. I didn't want my, my father to, you know, he saw them eventually. He, he didn't want, he, you don't want him to endure that. I'm not trying to speak for you, but you don't want like it, your decisions are your decisions, but you don't want them to impact or yeah. hurt the people around you. That's tough. I got to tell you, that takes fortitude because I, that, you know, I don't know that I wouldn't buckle, to be honest with you. I don't know that I would not. Um, yeah. and you, and you, I mean, you'll still hear, you know, comments here and there, but I mean, like, you know, they're, they're much less than what they were when we first started. Um, but you'll still have people out there that will oh, disagree. Oh, a hundred percent. No, here, here's the thing that I've come to realize, whether you're climbing the summit of, uh, Everest 
or climbing Kilimanjaro, or you're just walking outside in a short sleeve shirt, or you're just doing a PhD or living your life or passing by a fast food restaurant, somebody somewhere is going to have an opinion about it. So you might as well just go ahead and do what you came to this life to do. And that, that, that's really, I just had to kind of get myself anchored in that and then, and then mm-hmm. just do it. But it took me 42 years. You know, you're a little bit younger than I am, mashallah. But you got there a lot sooner than I did. And I just got here like today. <laughs> when I'm, I'm someone who was so I'm younger, not that much. Trust me. You're far ahead. But I, I, so when, when in those moments where, in those moments where you were wavering, what, what got you through? What made you say, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stick with this and this is what I want to do and I'm just going to my, put my head down. I'm going to do it. I'm doing it for the right reasons. I'm not going to worry about what anybody else thinks because that's tough anywhere you are, irrespective of which society. And, and, you know, some societies are in the process of evolving. So where we, you know, where folks are now versus where they were in 2012, mm-hmm. there's a contrast. But anywhere you go, you're going you're gonna to have that kind of social pushback. How did you, how did you get through it? I love your question, Chiefs, and I think it's, it's a number of things. Um, one of kind of like the seeds that um, I owe it to my parents that kind of like they, 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 they carved in my siblings and I is, if you know that you're, if you're not hurting anyone or hurting yourself. Oh my God, I'm gonna grab my Pellegrino, okay. <laughs> Preach! Follow, you know, follow your gut feeling and just, you know, just do it yeah there may there may be consequences down the road yes but i mean as long as you're not hurting others and i remember especially my father would always start with others and then yourself right um and i'm and you know by no means am i and i think you know me well enough to know that i'm not really i'm not a rebel so it's not like you know i'm screaming off the top of my voice and right no you're not rebelling for the sake of rebelling right absolutely not yeah but i mean i you know, I'm in my, in my humble opinion and the opinion of those that I look up to, I'm not offending anyone. I'm not hurting anyone. And again, even if everyone around me tells me you're going to fall, you're going to trip, you're going to regret it. I will not be at peace with myself unless I, I try it myself. I need to go with my gut feeling. Yeah. And honestly, like, yeah, I have tripped. But I'm here. Like, yes. Self up. Yes. You know, and I take that. I take one more step, and, and I'm like, okay, hopefully this time, you know, it'll be, um, you know, a uh, um, a softer a softer fall or trip if I do trip. But it's taking that first step, right? Celebrating that first step, and then taking the many steps after that. This is why I call you my Jiminy Cricket, and this is why I call you when I when I like. This is why you're part of my like circle of trust to quote the Fockers. <laughs> and I'm not saying this to be nice, like coming from you, that's huge. Yeah, Either we love you or you don't exist. <laughs> that's a Scorpio mantra. Yeah, yeah. yeah you don't even exist. <laughs> At least you know where you stand. <laughs> I do. And I want to keep it that way. <laughs> Inshallah. <laughs> I love you. Now you got nothing to worry about, girl. Anyway, you were fixing to say something. Sorry? I said you were fixing to say something. I was going to say something, and then I, uh, what was I going to say? I interrupted. So I we were, we, basically, we were talking about how you were making decisions and, and standing in your own agency and not worrying yeah. about what other people think. Yeah. 
but at the same time, thieves. I'm not. I mean, I'm. 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 I mean, we're human, right? So, oh. I did. I not doubt myself. No, I. I doubted myself, and I doubt myself a lot. A lot. Thank you actually. for saying that. Thank you I so do. much for saying that. I do. And do I feel some? Sometimes I'm like, the what ifs play tag with me all the time. Oh my god! But it, girl, that's a quote. That's like a hashtag. The what ifs are playing tag. Oh my god. Oh my God, that's like, I gotta get the pen and the <laughs> what ifs are, girl, I gotta that's write good. that down. Okay, go ahead. The what ifs are playing tag. I swear to God. Um, yeah, so I mean, and you know, guilt, you know, you know me more than anyone when it comes to guilt. Luca also knows, knows that uh, oh about God, me. Girl. I mean, guilt kind of like, I would say, befriends me everywhere. Like, I, but at the end of the day, like, you make that decision. I'm accountable for the decisions that I make, that I make. Yes. And I take that first step. I, I, I love that you just clearly outlined to kind of standing in your own agency. You make a decision, you stand by your choice and, and you have agency in your choice. And then mm-hmm. you, the, the accountability piece is paramount Absolutely. because come what may, exactly. this is what I decided. I, exactly. I love, I love that you just outlined that. And I love that you were so honest and thank you for your authenticity around doubt, because I think people look around and they see folks who are doing quote unquote successful things or living their life or whatever, whatever success means to a person, you know, whether it's climbing yep. a mountain or starting your own business or getting a PhD, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And they think, oh, this person is so sure of themselves a hundred percent of the time and they're just perfect and they have everything planned out and they know what they're, and it's like, actually, I'm not you. Let me, let me, let me speak about myself. No. I, like a hundred percent of the time I'm fumbling my way into bliss and I'm just like, you know what? I'm just going to rely on the expertise that I've gotten over the years and you just try. Uh, and of course you doubt yourself, but you just, you keep moving forward in the direction, like you said, that you, that kind of your inner spirit tells you to. And I said, that's incredible. I got to, I, I, cause climbing mountains is not the only thing that, that, that you're, that you do, mashallah. I got to pivot over to, you've done a PhD. Um, and you're still, you're still doing your PhD, but you're all, okay. you're going to be wrapping, you're going to be wrapping up soon. Cause you've been doing it now for several years. Uh, you know, since, I think since 2015, you started 16. Okay. Um, PhD is your, your, your PhD work also not an easy feat. I mean, I have a tremendous amount of respect for people that decide to get a PhD because it's just, it is so arduous. It's very tedious. It's very, it, it's very concentrated. Um, and it just takes a lot of commitment, uh, and sustained commitment. So I remember what I, I, and I've, I've actually always wanted to get one, but now that I've worked for 20 years, I'm like, you know what, I'm just going to call myself a PhD or because I've got a PhD on my own, but I'm giving myself don't, an honorary don't. PhD. <laughs> But I, I remember a girl once told me, uh, don't, don't go get a PhD uh, until you get married. Because if you, get, if you have a PhD before you get married, you're not, nobody's going to want to marry you. And I was just like, well, what? I'll leave my hands. It's an Allah of that with that. But okay, that's, that's the way. That- Chief, my answer would have been, I, w- I would never want to even get to know someone <laughs> who will not marry me because I have a PhD. That's I have no ridiculous. idea what the connection between the two. I don't know what the connection is, but anyway, I want to know uh, what made you 
and, then, and I think this will kind of naturally go into the, 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 the follow-up question, which is around the work that you do with philanthropy, but what made you go into a PhD? Want to even pursue that at the stage that you decided to pursue it? Yeah. Um, well, I'll be, I'll be honest. I'll, again, you know me. I'll, I always try to be as honest as I can. Of course. So a number of things kind of, a number of things led me to pursuing my PhD. Uh, one of them being that, I mean, I, if I could be a student for life, um, I would be a student for life. I'm, I feel I, I mean, if I could afford to be a student for life, I would be a student for life. <laughs> yeah, all of us, girl. Yeah, exactly. But technically we are, we are like, you know, students for life because we're learning every single day. We yes. learn from every single person we cross paths with whatever that person's profession is. Right. So true. So, so true. So for a PhD, um, there are several things. One, um, I, you know, I've always wanted to, uh, I've always wanted to teach. You can teach without a PhD, but I really wanted to kind of like zoom in and focus on, you know, the specific topic that, you know, that I'm, that I'm, that I'm focusing on. Um, so that was one thing. I also wanted to combine my clinical work with my research um, in a PhD project, right? Because I wanted to research something that's actually tangible. Yes. Um, that I can actually apply. Yes, because to um, PhDs can be quite theoretical. Exactly. <clears throat> academic. That's another. Exactly, academic. And honestly, I'm going to be extremely honest. Please. I mean, that's the space. This is the space exactly. for it. One of the reasons why I also really considered a PhD early on, um, and it took me a number of years uh, until I decided I'm going to do it, is because, you know, with clinical psychology, um, today, having a master's is great, but it still limits you. And honestly, like, I think ahead. I'm like, if I end up somewhere, if I lose everything and I have nothing, yeah. Um, you can always come to live with me, girl. I'll take care of you. Careful what you wish for. At least I'll have like, you know, within my field, I'll have the PhD that hopefully will open doors. So it's also security, you of know, in a, in, a, in a sense. But mainly, 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 I really wanted to combine my clinical work um, with research, you know, um, and to be able to apply it. So that was kind of like the, I would say the three main reasons why I, uh, I pursued a PhD. And honestly, I know my dad deep down inside, one more thing. Yes. My dad deep down inside. Um, I know that he, he's always wanted me um, to, uh, to pursue my PhD. And when I was younger, I very much looked my, like my dad and they would call me in Arabic, Dr. Sagheer. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, Dr. Junior. Yeah, Dr. Junior, basically. That's hilarious. Exactly. So, you know, and he's like, you know, will the day come, you know, when I call you, if will I ever see the, will I ever live to the day where I'll get to call you Dr. Muna? I'm like, dad, even if and when I get my PhD, I will always be Muna. Plain and simple. Little midget, it's like 151 doesn't work. <laughs> no. Why <laughs> not at all. That's hilarious. 
Okay, so on on your on your Ph on your PhD work, you decided when you decided to pursue your PhD, it sounded like with, in, within your immediate kind of nucleus, you had full on support for that. Was there any kind of was anybody kind of like, why do you want to do a PhD and why do you want to go so far away? Or actually, there was actually, and it was, and I I I I, I owe him a lot. Um, my brother, my brother's like, why are you why why are you pursuing a PhD? Do you really need it? He's like, you are an octopus. You are interested in so many different things. And because like, you know, after coming back from studying abroad and working abroad, um, I was working um, here for seven years. And yeah. then I decided to pursue my PhD. I'm like, if I don't pursue it now, I'm never going to go. My brother was like, why? He's like, you know, you're happy in what you're doing. You're settled. You're doing really well. I'm like, yeah, Rami, but I, I want to focus on, you know, on this topic and I want to work. And you know, you work. yeah, I wanted to work, you know, you, and, and the type of work that I wanted to do was not available, you know, where I'm living. Yeah. So I decided, no, I'm going to, I'm going to go where I will get full exposure because I'll come back and be able to serve even more. Right. Yes. So, so that's one of the, also the main reasons why, you know, I ended up going, you know, to that university um you know versus the university that i really wanted to go to because i'm like or country i should say um because that's where i knew i would uh learn from the best and work um in kind of like in complex trauma and that's really what i wanted to focus on so um okay so i hear you loud and clear because the the, the academic the phd academic kind of experience you would know a lot better than i would but it seems to be different regionally so you know europe it's much more practical in the us it's much more kind of theoretic theory based and kind of more for people that are going to go into the academic track of teaching so align you just basically aligned yourself with your exactly. with your objectives and I also wanted to, you know, I wanted to work with refugees and undocumented people. And, you know, like, yeah, I mean, Europe did open its doors uh, and there was like an influx of refugees more so than, you know, um, other continents. So that also kind of like, you know, you know, um, steered you in that direction into, into going to Europe. I got, so I got to ask you about your humanitarian work, if you don't mind. So on your humanitarian work, it, it, it's incredible. I, I watch it from a very far distance. I don't, uh, I'm super sensitive and I, I don't know how you do it, honestly. It's incredible, the humanitarian work that you do. You're very hands-on. Um, what, what made you go into that? So I, I don't mean to repeat myself, but as I told you, like that humanitarian gene, I really think I got from, from my from my dad. I mean, I still remember going uh, to the, you know, uh, grocery shopping with him, like to, no, actually to the fruit and vegetable market. And just, you know, just by, just by observing how he would interact with people. And, you know, on my birthday, he would, we would go to the toy store. And of course, he's like, you get to choose whatever it is that you want. Um, and then I choose what I want. But he's like, you also have to choose, you know, uh, a gift for, you know, someone in need. And this is the budget that we have for both gifts. So all these small things. Um, so I think it started from a very young age. Um, and then, yeah, honestly, it's like, I think the field that I worked in um, also really opened my eyes. Um, and I think volunteering 
from a young age also kind of like um it's like it's like you know a seed was planted yes and over the years it was kind of like watered and it grew, and it grew so, yeah. you know come come the end of my teenage years and like my early 20s m- vacations would basically be adventure mixed with volunteering volunteerism and sometimes simply volunteerism um and yeah i would go to idp camps refugee camps again nothing nothing new so many people do that i mean you know i don't stand out stand out in any way shape or form uh don't discount yourself i've never met more of a giver than you honest to god honest to god and you know and then and then Again, I, I exchanged vows with the mountain by mistake because I thought I was going to hike Kilimanjaro and check, I'm done with, mount, with, with mountains and I fell in love with mountains. But what kept me going was the fact that when I was ready to turn around, you know, on the slopes of Kili, I was like, why am I here? You, you know? combined your passion for humanitarian work with your, exactly. with your adventure. That's incredible, Muna. That's incredible. That's incredible. That's but just again, absolutely incredible. There's so many people out there. They're doing so much more. I swear. I swear. Oh, okay. I, I, I'm, I, I'm, I believe you, but I, I have never met anybody that does things the way that you do. And I, I got to tell you, sure, there, you know, there are a lot of folks uh, that, that give from an arm's distance, um, that give money, that give, you know, but you not only give time, you give, you, you, you've devoted scholastically, you've devoted um, expertise, you devote your, um, uh, even your leisurely, act, not, not that climbing a mountain is a leisurely activity, but you, you've devoted everything. <laughs> you've devoted everything to it. It's, it's absolutely incredible. It's absolutely incredible. And you've raised a lot of awareness. I certainly have gained a lot more awareness of uh, refugee rights and, and folks that are in need that I would not be as aware if, if I weren't kind of within close proximity to you. So I thank you for that. Um, I want to ask you, cause you and I used to be neighbors. Um, I miss uh, you. I miss you too, girl. We were neighbors up in the DQ girl. The DQ is so funny. It's like high school, except everybody's the prom and king queen. It's so funny. Um, <laughs> I love that. <laughs> so it's, it's true. The truth is, the truth is always funny. Truth is always funnier than fiction. Um, so anyway, I, we've, we've shared many meals. Uh, you've watched me eat chicken strips and honey. <laughs> yeah, shared, air quotes, shared. We've watched me eat. I loved my kitchen girl in the deep. You had a great kitchen. Remember when y'all came over that <laughs> night? <laughs> we walked into your apartment at like 3 a.m., Majid and I. Of course he's hungry. Well, y'all just ran. Y'all just ran. Y'all just did a, y'all just did a a, a race or something. Exactly. And and it was so funny because you were like, do you, we got, we're not going to be, because I was leaving. I was, I was traveling overseas the next, like in a few hours. And I was, I was like, I need to get rid of the stuff that's in my kitchen so it doesn't spoil. And, and y'all came in. I was like, are you hungry? And he was like, no, not really. (laughs) Typical Majid, Majid is always hungry. I was like, how are you hungry? Because he's always running. MashaAllah, the Barakah Rahman, Allah, knock on wood. Yeah, and I laugh. But he's like, so I was like, well, let me just, let me just be like the Southern hospitality in me kicked in. I was like, well, let me just put some stuff out. And I bust the dunya. Like I, br- I busted out jam and chicken tenders. It w- I made a feast out of the most random stuff. It was so funny. That was, that yeah. night, it was one for the books. But anyway. I miss those 
those days were so funny. Those days were, you remember when I had to, when I had to landscape, when I was trying to landscape my lawn and I called the guy and I was like, all the landscaper and told him to come and plant marijuana for me when I meant to say like, I just need grass, but I didn't know how to say grass in Arabic. I'm like, stick to English, beef. Stick to <laughs> English. English. You're like, just stick to English. <laughs> You're going to get us all in trouble. Just stick to English. <laughs> Look who's talking. My air oh my is not any better, trust me. Oh my God. All that to say, you and I share very similar values around many things, which is why we're so close, uh, including family and what composites kind of the nucleus of a family. Um, and to that end, one of those things is around having children and adopting. For me, I've, I've, I've wanted to adopt. It's been in my heart since I was a kid. SubhanAllah, I have no idea why. So I've never really felt that physiological tick. Oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, I need to get married. I need because I'm like, you know what? When I'm 45, I'm just going to adopt a couple of kids. Um, I hear you. You know, there have been times in my life where I was like, oh, yes, I do. I really want to get married. But I mm -hmm. more recently have totally gotten over it because it's like at yeah. this point, it's not about dinner and a movie. It's like either we're going to build something together. You're going to mess up my cheese. So you need to keep moving. <laughs> I love your statements. I love them. <laughs> Don't mess with my cheese. Anyway, but I know that you feel the same way. So, Absolutely. And I, I know it's not easy everywhere to kind of adopt because when I adopt that kid's getting my name getting everything I, and I, really don't, I don't even care what anybody else thinks honest to god 100 uh, percent. so I'm, I'm with you how how did you come to that well inshallah it manifests uh, for you whenever you're ready for it but True. how do you how, how do you I'm not sure if you voice that to everyone not that you have to it's your life but I'm just saying how do you think that would be received and do you think that for the people that deserve kind of a response what would you say Mm -hmm. So I, I have, and again, I share exactly um, uh, your, you know, your, your passion and want to adopt a child. And again, because, and, you know, I believe there are so many children out there Amen. that need the love and care, Amen. you know, and I'm not opposed, you know, people who want to like get pregnant and, you know, the whole experience. Yeah, yeah, dude, you want to do the traditional route, dude, of course. Simply caution, Allah wa fagik. Jimmy Fustan, Billah Aleki Fustan, Kurjan, I'm going to go smack you. Oh, totally. Totally. Never done thing. But you have to go down that path just to get what you want to get, basically, for me anyway. Anyway, sorry, go ahead. Yeah. But yeah, so I've always wanted to adopt. I remember telling my parents when I was a teenager, please adopt a child. They're like, you're enough. Where like my mom was like, I'm done raising kids. That's it. She's yeah. like, you want to adopt? You adopt when you grow up. And I was like, you know what? Inshallah, ya Rab, the day comes where I will adopt. Yeah. So I am 40 years old and I'm hoping that the second half of my 40s Inshallah. is when I, adopt. I need to get a few more mountains out of my system. Yes, yes, <laughs> girl. Yes, I hear you. You and I both, but me, theoretically, metaphorically. Uh -huh. <laughs> And yes, I have voiced it to people and there has been quite a bit of pushback. They're like, you're telling us that you're gonna adopt a child um, as a single um, mom. Yeah, 100%. Where you live? Yeah. I'm like, yeah. Yeah. And the child is gonna have your name? I was like- 100%. And you're not worried about everything else? I'm like, there are things that will come- Fuzz! Fuzz! But <laughs> 
<laughs> so again, يعني, it's something that I truly believe in, I'm passionate about, and it's like I, I've always wanted it. Yeah. And there's no stopping, you know? 100%. And honestly, Fiefs, if I have to move to adopt, I will. Yeah. Then so be it. Yeah. yeah. I will. Yeah. Because I want to adopt a child. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I hear you loud and clear. I got to tell you for a long time, if I'm being honest with myself and with you, I, I think I put uh, wanting to have a family on the back burner because I put my career on the front burner for many different reasons, which I have no regrets about. I'm proud of myself and I did, you know, I did great. But I have become much more honest with myself and, and acknowledging that I want to have a family and I will, and I, and I, and even, even if like tomorrow, the, you know, my soulmate drops out of the sky and, and, and we actually procreate, I'm still going to adopt. I've always wanted to adopt. And so I, whether irrespective of if that person comes in my life or not, I'm just, that that's something that I'm going to do. And I just, and I'll still have that kind of, family and I will just, you know, build a family life and a family nucleus uh, like you once I get those metaphorical mountains uh, out of the way. And I really don't give two shakes of a lamb's tail what anyone. speak like you. I love your statement. <laughs> this, you know what that is? <laughs> that's, that's all the, that's all the, that's the mosaic. That's the kaleidoscope. <laughs> it's a good that's question. Yeah, of course. Please. Um, do you want to adopt a girl or a boy? Both. Or are you indifferent? Both. both. Yeah. Oh, I'm going to adopt both, inshallah. I, I would really love to adopt three, but I definitely want to adopt both. And that's, sure. it's, so, it's so funny that you, it's not funny, but it's, it, it, you hit on a jugular because the gender mix is a really big thing in certain societies. And mm -hmm. I don't give a flying rat's tail what anybody thinks. I'm going to raise these kids. And, and, and I'm just going to raise them to understand the mm -hmm. world, understand who mm -hmm. they are, help them become what they're meant to be on this, in this lifetime. And shower them with love, with care, with shower them with love and care. Needs that yes. They're like stripped away from. Yes. That's, that's, away from. that's why the adoption piece is so important because like you just said, kids just need love. And all kids deserve that. Uh, and if all kids got that, this world would be a totally different place. Uh, Irrespective age, gender, race, sect, you Last name, name. I don't, I really, exactly. I could care less. Um, yeah. And this is why I love you, Nugget. This is why I love you. And we are going to reunite uh, in one country or the other, I promise. It needs to happen. It will, it will happen. The mumbo jumbo ends. I promise. Ends. It will end, inshallah. It will end. It's been too but long. It, we will we will have chicken tenders and honey girl i haven't had chicken in years and then a couple of weeks ago i broke down and went through the chick-fil-a drive-thru and i was like can i get a six piece <laughs> and, and i have yet to try that with you because i've never had chick-fil-a we oh my god chick-fil-a is really good i know a lot of people have different opinions about it but i love chick-fil-a girl it is good but i don't eat it that much <laughs> i like done and dustin uh nugget i love you so much i can't thank you enough for showing up today, for telling us your story, for your authenticity, just being you on and off in public and, and, and not in public. And I love how you share your story on social media and the way that you sit kind of in who you are, if, if I can say this, allows you to project 
what you are to the rest of the world. And you do that and you show up consistently in every single space, whether it's in social media, whether it's in social engagements, whether it's in private conversations, whether it's in public. And I love that so much about you. And I, and I, I thank you for joining us today, for joining me. And I thank you for always being like my number one cheerleader, even before myself, you cheer for me before even I cheer for me. So I can't, I can't thank you enough. Um, say it no no go ahead it's an honor and pleasure and again and I really mean it you shower me with more than I deserve no um I'm blessed that our paths crossed and I have no how to thank for that I know thank you so much I mean (laughs) and I wish I I wish I just wish I knew you before in Riyadh because you know, like, I'm like, oh, I just wish, I wish I knew Fatma even before, but it's never too late. And I'm here to stay. I know, you're in, you're in my soul tribe. You're, you're in it, girl. You I'm are sorry. in it. You're not going anywhere. You're not, our kids are going to play together, inshallah. And Peeps, one of the things I just want to say, and I, and I think I want everyone to hear it, is you're one of the very few people, very, very, very few people, right? And you know that I know a lot of people, um, <laughs> that... Yani, whatever yani, I can I can be myself and be open and be honest and we can we can agree to disagree. Yeah, hundred percent. Be very firm. Yes. Discuss done. You know exactly, and that's very rare. That is is extremely extremely rare. Yes. So thank you for being you. Thank you for being authentic with a pinch of crazy. Thank you for being real. Thank you for being raw. I love you, Nugget. Be you. I love you so keep much. Moving, keep going. Keep moving. Keep moving mountains because you oh. really do move, move mountains. Girl, we're go- we're gonna climb Kila together, and we're gonna have we're gonna have a toilet like gonna make hundred percent. Wahad, we're gonna climb Kili. You 100%. promise me. Promise. Okay. Either twenty twenty two, inshallah, or twenty twenty three. Uh, one, of those, one of those, inshallah. I None. just want to say one last time, thank you for being here. And the biggest takeaway from today's discussion is that, which basically reinforces lesson number 45 from uh, FSB 140, which is hands down my favorite, is all about doing what you just said, doing and being you, uh, and doing that spherically, uh, irrespective of what's going on. And with that, I'm going to close out this podcast. Uh, and I'm just going to say thank you one more time. And y'all, that's a wrap. I'm sitting here acting like there's 10 people, girl. It's just me. But that's a wrap, y'all. That's a wrap. Thank you so much, Nugget. Thank you. Thank you, Steve. I loved it. Thanks. <laughs>